just want to thank you, Lord, that you are for us. If he is for us, who can be against us? He who did not even spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all. How will he also, not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We thank you, Lord, that you're for us. We thank you that you love to bless us and long to bless us. We thank you that your invitation is to life. As we heard, the spirit of life. You invite us to know life, to receive life, to walk in life. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for the riches of heaven that are ours in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your blessing. And Lord, we, we just pray as we look at some things together, things that are very familiar to some of us, things that we've heard a lot. But Lord, we just sense that there's something more you're wanting to say, something more you're wanting to do. So even in the familiar, Lord, we pray, would you help us not to switch off or switch out, but Lord, actually by your Spirit this morning to switch in to you, to hear what you're wanting to say. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you speak to us? Just maybe in your own heart right now, just a gentle whisper to the Lord. Lord, my ears are open, my heart is open. I want to hear. I want to receive. I want to I want to respond to you. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. I um, said to Jackie this morning, I almost feel a bit embarrassed because I feel like I'm a, it's right to share things that some of you have just heard so many times before. Um, and yet I just feel that it's what God wants. It's about life in the Spirit. And you think, oh, not the Spirit again. I I just feel that I can't move on from the Spirit. And in fact, I don't think we should move on from the Spirit. Um, so, I'm resisting, and even saying this, <laughs> I'm resisting apologizing for speaking on something that feels like we speak on a lot. But I believe it's so important. Let's just read a couple of very well-known stories, one of which was in our, uh, the, if you've been going through the daily notes, you'll have you've been picking this up, we've been reading through Acts. Um, Acts chapter 8, this is Philip in Samaria. Um, 
And uh, he'd gone down to Samaria, uh, he's doing miraculous signs. For some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people both high and low gave him their attention. Sorry, this is uh, Acts 8 verse 9. Gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. When they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the believers, uh, the people in Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit uh, was given at the laying on of the hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. And then over into chapter 19, another similar story in some ways. Chapter 19, while the apostles were at well, sorry, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. As I said in the notes, uh, I think it was Friday, it seems from certainly these two accounts that it is possible to believe in Jesus, but not to be baptized or fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now, there was a time when I would say something like that, and that wasn't so controversial. But actually, in more recent times, in some of our churches, and some perhaps charismatic or Pentecostal churches, this has begun to be uh, debated Somewhat in terms of what does it mean to be full, to be baptized, to be full of the Spirit? 
What I want to say at the outset, and this is why I want to speak about it again, and in a moment we'll, we'll come back into worship and we'll look for opportunity to pray for and one another. My prayer is this, that everyone from the youngest to the oldest in the Apex family would daily know the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Daily. From the youngest to the oldest, that they would know that indwelling power. Nicky Gumbel uh, gives this illustration that I put in the notes, but I've always found this quite helpful. He talks about the Holy Spirit or the work of the Spirit initially being like a pilot light. So the Holy Spirit is at work in regeneration, in being born again. The Holy Spirit is even the midwife bringing us to salvation. In order for someone to believe, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit is there. The, the Spirit is at work. But if you take the boiler illustration for a moment, for the boiler to work properly, you need the flames to be fully alight. So you've got the little pilot light, but then uh, when the gas comes on full, there is that, if you, I always think of it, I often hear, is the is the boiler on or whatever? And you hear this boom, don't you? You hear that boom as the, as the gas fully comes alight. And in Acts, it is clear, and in other parts of the New Testament, that there is this filling, this flooding, this drenching that we are to pursue. That we are to pursue. Now, some Christians argue that the fullness of the Spirit comes at conversion. And I don't have a problem in recognizing that there is a work of the Spirit that comes at conversion for sure. But I also know that for many, many people, particularly those who became Christians some years ago, but even today, depending on the teaching of that local church or the context in which they become a Christian, what they receive, as it were, is the pilot light, but they don't know or haven't even heard of the full expression of life in the Spirit. And so the danger is that we can settle for too little. Now, another time and other ways, we would also talk about the Word of God. So we would absolutely talk about inviting people to come into the Word of God. And there are many church contexts where people are not encouraged to do that either. And actually, that's what we would do. We would say, come to the Word, feed on the Word, read the Word. And we would say, come to the Spirit, be full and feed on the Spirit and be full of the Spirit. And so those, those two things. And, and I think there is a danger that we can settle for too little. In response to this, very famously, uh, one, uh, a pastor from a previous century, Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, famously commented when somebody said to him, well, I, I've got it all. And so he, he sort of picked up this rhetorical question. Got it all? If you've got it all, why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? Got it all? Got it at your conversion? Well, where is it, I ask you? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's very, he, apparently he had a very deep Welsh voice, but I can't do either of those things. But, uh, but where, you know, and actually, where is it? Where is it? It's a challenging subject, but one thing is for certain, you definitely know when you've encountered the Spirit. 
You definitely know when you've been filled with the Spirit. It's interesting, Acts 19, this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The apostles know that they will know if they have. If they haven't, and, and actually the response is, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that was my background. That was my background as a child and as a young teenager. The Holy Spirit was mentioned very briefly, uh, usually mentioned as the Holy Ghost, of course, back in the day. Uh, but it, I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything about him, what he did, or his, his role within the Trinity at all. I, almost, my response would be, I've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That certainly would have been my background and my experience. But you see, absolutely the apostles knew, and I believe there is a truth here that we need to get hold of, is that you can know more than that, that God wants you to know the person and the work of the Spirit in your life. That we're to be a people who are marked by the Spirit. Now that scripture that Ashley read earlier, I think was really profound, talks about the Spirit of life, that he's brought life to you. And, and I think for some people to say to them, do you know that you're full of the Spirit? If someone says, I'm not sure, then I would say, well, I want you to be sure. I believe you can be sure. There's something to come back to in a moment, which is that there's a, an ongoing filling. So not just, have you got a date? Because some of us don't have a date. Some of us don't have a date when I know that there was this encounter and I was utterly soaked and drenched in, in the Spirit. Some of you will have a date. You'll say, there was a moment I just knew that there was an overwhelming in God I'd never experienced before. I certainly had that, although I can't tell you the date. I can tell you the event, but it would be quite complicated now to go try and figure out when it was. Uh, but I, I, know, I know one particular day. But for many, there is a gradual. But what I want to say is, do you know... Whoa, bless you. <laughs> oh. um, usually he does them in about three, so there's another one coming in a minute. Um, Oh, that's really throwing me. No, no, no. Do you know? I believe that you, you can know. And that we need to go on knowing. Do you know you've been baptized, flooded, filled with the Spirit? Do you need to be baptized, flooded with the Spirit again? You, now, you might say, Mark, why do you keep on going on about this? Why is this a subject that keeps coming up? Why are we going back over and over this? I was really struck by a couple of things that I just want to highlight to you. We, I felt drawn again because of Rodney's word to us, the lemon tree uh, prophetic word that many of you know about. Um, of course, it talks about John 15, that the, the lemon tree at Osborne House is growing against this south-facing wall, and that's why it's got so big, and that's why it produces so many lemons and so on. And the call for us, of course, is to abide in Jesus. 
is to come close to Jesus, is to feed upon the Lord Jesus. And I was reading it again, and, and, and something just jumped out at me. So John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. I think that's something for some of us to really be digging into, that phrase at the moment. God wants, sometimes wants to prune us so that we might be more fruitful. So there, might, there can be good things or good-looking things that can be actually hindrances to the best. Stop there, because that's for another day, all right? But have a look at that. Seven. If, uh, sorry, three. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, there's something I want to say here. So, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen to the next bit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. How many of us want to bear much fruit? Okay, hallelujah. How are we going to bear fruit? By remaining in Christ. This is the bit that jumped out at me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I just was impacted by it Wednesday, Thursday night. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I believe God is stirring us and provoking us about being a more missional church, about reaching out to those who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's something that's coming. I believe God is speaking to us about moving in faith, believing for healing, signs and wonders, words of knowledge, the prophetic, all sorts of things. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that? You see, I find myself so often, I'll give it a go with my best, I'll do my bit, oh, and I better make sure I ask Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, let me link that to Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul's prayer, 3.14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I could stop there. But here's the key. So, 17, Ephesians 3, 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How does Christ dwell in our hearts through faith? How do we walk in faith? How do we make godly decisions and choices in the day and age in which we live? By his Holy Spirit, who he's given us. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Why do I pray in the words of Ephesians 5.18 each day to be filled with the Spirit that Christ may dwell in me? That I may... The church, the local church is the hope of the world. 
You say, well, Jesus is the hope of the world. Yes, but Jesus is in the church. How can we be the hope of the world unless we have the power of Christ in us? And that is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is why we will always, even though some people go, oh, not the Spirit again, but we will always talk about be being filled. Ephesians 5.18, continually be filled with the Spirit. Continually. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. That the power of God. How am I going to overcome this besetting sin? Constantly I find these thoughts come back into my mind. Constantly I find myself being pulled away in this way or, or that way. It's by the power of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ living within me. And so the apostles, the apostolic Checking of foundations. As, as they come to these new believers, one of the first questions they ask is not, are you reading your Bibles? Although their Bibles were a bit different to ours, of course. But one of the primary things they say is, have you received the Spirit? It's the first. And then, oh, well, we didn't even heard the, the Spirit. Oh, hang on a minute. Let's just check the foundations a bit more. Uh, whose baptism did you receive? So the apostolic foundations are being checked. Well, John's baptism. Ah, okay. Well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. But John came telling the people about Christ the Messiah. Now, let's tell you about Christ the Messiah. Put your faith and your trust in Christ the Messiah. Right. Now, because John says, repent. The Messiah is coming. Get ready. Receive the Messiah. Now, receive the Holy Spirit. So these apostolic foundations are being laid. And actually, that's what God has been saying to us as a church and so many churches across this nation and in fact all over the world. Stripped back to basics. What are the basics? For so many of us, not, not so much here, but you've got the lights, you've got the PA, you've, you've, got, you've got all the gear, you've got, the, you've got your timings, you've got all your things sorted, but have you got God? Have you got the Spirit? Are you applying the Word back to basics? We keep singing that song, don't we? When the music's fade and all is stripped away, I simply can't. Longing to bring something that's of worth. Without me, you can do nothing. It's one of the reasons why I felt so prompted years ago as I began to understand this, that I wanted to pray in the Spirit every day. Every day. And I, I, I will pray in tongues as much as, as possible. And... Because there's, I haven't got time this morning to go into all the details of all of these things. But Corinthians, Paul says that the man or woman who, who prays in the Spirit builds themselves up. Don't we need to be built up? We battle, we struggle, particularly at this time of year, but um, before the sun really gets to us here. But there are moments you think, oh, I'd swing your legs out of bed, got to go again. Pray in the Spirit. Because he's the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of Christ brings truth to us. It edifies us and builds us up. 
How am I going to answer my neighbor, my colleague? What am I going to say to that family member? How am I going to have the right words as I'm full of the Spirit? Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's the spirit of life. Thank you for reading that scripture, Ashley. It just was interesting. Um, I saw a quote yesterday about the Nicene Creed. Uh, It's the one that begins, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, etc., etc. A great declaration. It's one of the things that we could wonderfully preach through, the, the declaration. But it says this at one point, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. The giver of life. And this quote, if the Nicene Creed is telling us the truth, that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life, then here is something almost no one believes. To be truly alive, not just religious, but alive across the whole of human life, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't mind if you say, I, I don't know if I've been baptized. What I want to say to you today is, are you filled with the Spirit? Because you can be, but today be filled again. Be filled again. We've used the illustrations a number of times, haven't we? It's not so much about a cup that is quite static, you fill it up with water. The, the picture that is in Scripture much more clearly is one of a sail. And a sail being full of the wind. And that sail, as it's full of the wind, is driven forward with purpose. We were praying in one of the prayer meetings in the week about how easy it is to allow life, if you like, to take the picture of the sail and we reef it up, reef it up. <laughs> Because it's safer. Uh, Rick and others will tell you far more about this than me, but I, under, you know, I understand. You know, if there's a lot of wind, you're going to put some reefs in because you know, we, I, the boat can't take it, as it were, or we can't take it. Forgive me, those of you sailing, but, but I understand the principle that it's easy. And I know in our lives it's easy to put some reefs in. <laughs> Put some reefs in so that I can just, just a little bit, just a little bit. I believe that what God is saying to us as a church in these days is that there is more. There is more. Look, that man's nodding over there. There's more. And Paul's been saying it. There's more. There's more. Now, for some people, there's an honesty, which is fair enough. I don't know if I want more. I absolutely believe if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be and is calling us to be, if we're going to be the people, then I believe it's time that we start to take some reefs out and say, Lord, would you fill me? I can't do this on my own. I don't have the answers. I can't heal myself. The world has got to the end of its limits. It, the world is saying, no, we can't really help you. Jesus says, finally, now let me come in. Let me come in. We um, had a funny little discussion on Thursday. I think it was Thursday night at the prayer meeting. Because um, Hannah began to play. And there's such an anointing as she was playing. I just could feel the spirit. And I... And I, I 
I thought about this phrase, the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. So I looked it up. I couldn't find it in the Bible. I thought, I'm sure that's from the Bible. Um, anyway, it's cutting a long story short. <laughs> I had Paul on it, I had Dave on it, we had all sorts of people. It turns out that that is a particular translation that the King James Version originally used of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. I went away on Thursday, Friday, uh, on Friday and dug around and read a bit more about it. But Isaiah 10, verse 27 says this, In that day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. <laughs> Uh, now, the authorized uh, uh, King James Version, there's a Greek word there, apparently, that's two words that sound very similar to each other. And so they, they use the word anointing, but it actually isn't the word anointing, although the principle is there. Actually, the word is fat. So what, what am I saying? Just as you guys get ready to come and help with worship again, okay? What am I saying this? One commentator's bit was really helpful is this. Here, what we've got here is a picture of an ox with a yoke on its neck. You know what I mean, don't you? You've got the oxen and you've got this yoke, the wooden yoke. And it's enslaving it to the will of its master, forcing it to a life of servitude. But eventually the ox gets so healthy and strong, it bulks up, its shoulders bulk up and the, the fat, you know, with the fat and the muscle, it becomes so strong that the yoke bursts off of it, breaks off of its neck. Now the ox is completely free. This is the freedom that Christ has brought to us. Another illustration, if you like, is from the Marvel comics, is Bruce Banner. Who knows who Bruce Banner is, the other name for him? The Incredible Hulk. Imagine Bruce Banner trapped in a wooden yoke, and then he transforms into the Hulk. He smashes the yoke to pieces. You've seen pictures, haven't you, sometimes of, of, of people in chains or the Hulk in chains and there is this suddenly this smashing. That is life in the spirit. That's the difference. That's what happens as we begin to move and allow God to move in us. Yes, there is a Christian walk. There's a steady walk of faith. Yes, we're open to the words, but God is calling us in these days to be a people of his presence and a people of the Spirit. So what I'd like us to do is to just come back into some worship. Really just welcome the Lord Jesus. Lift him up. Welcome the Holy Spirit. And what I'd love us to do is to pray for one another. So if you're thirsty for more of the Spirit, there's so many things I could speak on in this, but I just feel we've got to give some time. If you would like more of the presence of the Spirit, you might say, I'm not sure I've ever experienced the Holy Spirit in my life before. I don't know really what you mean, Mark. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you feel prompted to go and pray for someone else. But I just believe for us as a church at the moment that we need to ask God to fill us and flood us if we are to be all that he's called us to be. But I also know that he, he, he comes in our times of worship. As we lift him up, he just comes into that. And so I really just want us to take some moments 
to particularly, I don't know if there's anything we can just really lift up the name of Jesus. I don't know what you've got, but just lifting up Jesus because the Spirit helps us to do that. Um, but there, that, and then there's that other song as well that I, I sent Steve a song that is one that I've sung historically. But let's just stand together. Lord Jesus, this is a promise from you. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You will prophesy. You will, you will see the blind see. You will, captives will be set free. You're calling us to be a people who are marked by the Spirit, who are being led by the Spirit. So we just say, Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. Some of us feel very empty. Holy Spirit, just come and help us to to worship Jesus. Come and fill us again. Come and fill us again. Where we're dry. Some of us are not sure that we even know what this all means, what this is all about. Would you gently come and speak to us, come and touch us, come and meet with us? We're going to worship together. If you particularly feel you'd like prayer in some way, you can come forward. We'll make sure we're aware of that and we'll pray for you. Um, I think we just need to be sensitive to one another as well. We can move around the room, pray for one another. But let's lift up the name of Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of life. So let's lift up his name. Let's worship. And let's just welcome him. Receive him again today. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's receive again the strength that he offers the life that he offers